0: Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to season six, episode 20 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Chris. That's me. All right. Hey, if you're new to this podcast, Match Wits is a nostalgia infused, pop culture ish podcast where (laughs) we ramble on about all sorts of stuff from our childhood all the way through to current events and and kind of whatever. And and, in this particular episode, uh, we're going to talk about uh, or we're planning to talk about it or get to it at some point. We're not going to do it <laughs> right away. Post-apocalyptic movies um, and, and and talk about that. And we typically do like lists um, and we're getting away from having kind of a rank order more about like these are the kind of the, these are the staples or the ones that have the most meaning for us. So we're, we're going to get into that here in a second. Um, the other thing is, so the last episode or two episodes ago, we did a quiz, right? So mm-hmm. we, did, we didn't do any um, or was that was that last episode we did the quiz? No, that
1: was last episode, wasn't okay. it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, I was gonna say cause we didn't have any. Typically, we do what we call a dimwit, which is a dollar bet, and we had no bets last time because we just did a, a straight on quiz. Which Chris kicked my butt. Um, sure did. I don't know that I have. What was the, what was the final score?
1: I think I got like five to your like two and a third.
0: That sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris kicked my butt. All right, so, uh, and again, I do want to I do, I do talk about um, all, you know, talk about the, uh, the, the, the uh, post-apocalyptic movies and all that, but something that's top of mind, I just thought I'd bring it up. And, again, uh, not something we prepared for. Typically, during the week, I'll text, Chris and I will text back and forth on a topic. We'll agree, or, and then we'll, we'll go forward, and we'll cover it in the session. So, but the last two days or three days, I've been watching this, what was it called, The, the, the Chef with John Favreau's... He's got this this new Netflix show called The Chef, um, which kind of came up from his the movie that he did yeah. like, called the, the Chef.
1: It was just Chef. The movie was really good. It was like after he got done with... I think it was right late, shortly after Iron Man, like after... Mm-hmm. Her, and he just wanted to take a break of like big budget movies and he made this little... Where he plays this chef of this fancy restaurant that basically gets like the worst review ever by the local <laughs> food critic. And then he kind of flips out and he has like a major meltdown on social media and in front of everybody. And then he just kind of puts it all behind him and goes and starts a food truck and gets back to like cooking. And, but he went and like afterwards it was, it's, I mean, he wrote it about his life. He was just so burnt out by the press tours and all of the pressure of these big, massive budget movies that he just wanted to go back to swingers and back to the early movies that he made that weren't, under the microscope because studios weren't shelling out $200 million for each one where he was just making these little ones with him and his friends. Like Swingers to this day is still one of my favorite movies and like they made that with no budget. Vince Vaughn and all those guys were not big names yet. Like there's parts... Where they go to the Dresden That if you look You can see a sign That says Filming will be taking place In this area By entering this area You are You know You're granting Whatever the production <laughs> right. That's why Dude Like look in that movie There are so many people Just staring into the camera Like as it walks past And people just look Directly at it Because they had no money They just right. like Got permission to film there And then put a sign up That says Hey if you're in this area You're basically signing a waiver That says your likeness Can be presented in this movie And that's what got him all of those... I mean, he was acting before that. I, I still always bring up the fact that he was... What was his name in, in PCU? With Jeremy Piven. Where he plays the big... Bur- he God, was Gutter. gutter. <laughs> he was Gutter. The, the big burnout. That. The big burnout. I didn't exhale. Good answer. <laughs> but he, like was in, that, he was in Rudy? Yeah. Yeah, he was in Rudy. He Yeah, he was... He's the... The, what the lineman, the defensive lineman, to, yeah. or the linebacker Deep breaks bombs. his nose? Yeah, whatever. But then you I mean getting into directing and stuff like that's why if you look back, dude, that Iron Man, the the, the gamble that Marvel Studios took on the original Iron Man was so big because Robert Downey Jr. was, yep, that was his, right. that was his big rebirth, and like John Favreau trusted with this massive and Iron Man. Dude, Iron Man wasn't a po- that popular of a comic character. Like they picked, he was more. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Tony Stark was very important. He was in the Avengers, but in the grand scheme of things, Iron Man wasn't the tier that he is now. And a lot of that has to do with Jon Favreau and Robert Downey. Right? Yeah.
0: You you ask a kid before the movies who's your favorite comic book hero, and Iron Man. The Hulk. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Iron Man's <laughs> not Superman, Batman. <laughs> Spider Man, yeah, like you're not Iron Man's not one of the top man. No, <laughs> you know? no, uh, no, not one of the top. So, like, the, yeah, and cool. the reason I bring this up is, and this is more, we've we've touched on John Favreau before, and this is more of the. I, I, so I watched I watched the show, right? So that there the the um, the TV show that just came out of Netflix. Uh, I watched that, and then. Uh, I watched the movie Janine. And I watched the movie last night, and the movie, like you said, is great. And it's great. It, it turns out he. So this guy, uh, the the chef, um, oh man, uh, Choi uh, is his name. The, the, anyways, the, the chef in the movie um, actually kind of taught John Favreau how to cook. So he taught yeah. him all the techniques. So this guy um, and. I, uh, hmm. I'm looking for
1: you too. But that's one of the things that I read when he was making this movie is he went around to food trucks and worked with chefs. So like you look at his knife work and his, and like his actual skills and the way he moves around the kitchen. It looks believable. Like it, it because he spent so much time traveling around with these chefs and meeting with all of them and getting, you know, backstage or back kitchen experience working with him. It doesn't look like an actor trying to play a chef. It looks like a guy that knows what he's doing in the kitchen. And he might might have been
0: talented in the kitchen before that, but good Lord. No, seems no. So, him him. But then the guy, so I guess you haven't seen the show. So the guy that, no. that trained him in the movie is who he does the show with. Right? So I've only really watched Cho-
1: the... Roy, Roy, Roy Choi. Roy yeah, Choi. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I am
0: sorry. I knew his last name was Choi. So anyway, so that's kind of, they, tr- he trained him for the movie and then they, they just started to. Film what they were doing is you know Favre was a filmmaker and then it, it caught on. So the first episode is Gwyneth Paltrow, hmm. and I think Bill Burr. Like I think there's a segment with <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow and a segment with Bill Burr. It's hilarious, and they make stuff from the movie, like they and they show how they made it. And, they, and like he actually, John Favre actually cooked the food in the movie. Like it wasn't like they could have easily used somebody else's hands or whatever. Like he, I think he just kind of immersed himself. In, sure. in being a foodie And So there's a couple of funny things About Gwyneth Paltrow First of all They make a pepper pot Which is, <laughs> is the meal they make It's a It's basically a soup um, And then John Favreau And they're obviously good friends Like John Favreau uh, And uh, Gwyneth Paltrow Uh, Because you can just tell kind of by their body language or anything, they're real comfortable. And he's like, yeah, like in Spider-Man. And she's like, I wasn't in Spider-Man. I was in the Avengers. And he's like, no, you were in Spider-Man. You know, Tom Holland, that that press conference, he's like, she's like, oh, that was (laughs) Spider-Man. You know, the the one scene at the end of was that the, was that Homecoming or whatever, where they did a press conference. Yeah. She's like, I was in Spider-Man. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, which man. She, was...
1: she she weirds me out a little bit, though. Yeah. But so anyways, all... my,
0: so my point in bringing up Favreau, which has nothing to do with post-apocalyptic movies, is I started digging into this a little bit more. And then I was like, what's his thing with food? And he did that. I remember years ago he had, it uh, was a show? I'm going to find the name of it. It was called, where he would get a bunch of actors together. Oh, Dinner yeah. for Five, dude. Dinner, yeah, Dinner for Five. That is one which... of my
1: all-time favorite shows. That It used to be on IFC when I was, I think it was at the end of college or right after I graduated. We, it would just be him and then usually like either Vids Vaughn or Roy Livingston or any of those guys that he's friendly with and then like three other either actors, directors, producers, and they just sit around and they just eat a massive meal and just talk Talk film, dude. I love, love. I wish they would bring it back. That was one of my favorite shows. That I would. That was that was appointment TV
0: for me. Yeah, and and that was 2001 to 2005. So my whole thing was like, mm-hmm. all right, Favreau always had this thing for food, and I think the thing with with Favreau that people forget, and this is why this is the reason we brought it up. I just want to give props to John Favreau because, <laughs> like, if you look, like, he pretty much created. I don't want to say created, right? Um, there's that guy from. Marvel, that actually was kind of the, the boss of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But Favreau helped to launch the the whole Marvel thing. Like, you know, exe- he was executive oh, yeah. producer on Iron Man, Iron Man 2, The Avengers, Iron Man 3, um, uh, whatever, Age of Ultron. Okay. Well, I could hold that against him. Um, Infinity War, Endgame. Like, sure. But Steve, and-
1: like, those are just titles. Like, he didn't really. I mean, he may have had a little bit of creative input, but those executive producer credits are more maybe an honor or in 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 recognition of what he did with you. Like, yes, I'm not I'm not ever trying to shortchange what he did with that first one, but saying he's responsible for it is a little bit unbelievable.
0: All right, so he, <laughs> All right. then I'll. Oh, but but it's certainly, Kevin Faye, Kevin
1: Feige Faye has way more. Yeah, that's input yeah, I I have, in, in, into shepherding that entire getting people that understand the comics enroll or in positions to do good work and then letting them do what they think is right like the russo brothers like the the only reason the russo brothers ever even really got into directing action is because of two episodes of community we talked about this before right, steve yeah. like they were they were sitcom guys that Right. When he first announced them to be the directors of Winter Soldier and you're like, really? The, the, I loved Community and the Fistful of Paintballs is one of my favorite episodes of that show. But then to give them the $160, $200 million budget to do what Captain America movie and then for it to be as great as it was is more, I don't want to say more of a compliment to Kevin Fahey, but a, a bigger compliment to, for him to see the talent in these people that haven't been in those positions before. So him giving the reins to Jon Favreau and letting him do what he did with the first one, I think is more influential than what actually Jon Favreau did.
0: Mm. But uh, I guess, but my whole point Mm -hmm. is without Iron Man, like the original Iron Man movie, if that doesn't, if that doesn't land, if that is not successful, then do the other. There's nothing. There's nothing. So and and these are things I didn't know. And this is like if you just look at pure directing credits. Elf. Yep. I no, I had no idea he directed Elf.
1: Hmm.
0: And one of my favorites, and I knew this, was Z- Zathura. Zathura. The, the Dak Shepard, like yep. that's a cool kind of but same same kind of universe of Jumanji, same type of board game type of that's yep. a great movie. um and then, and then this is okay. We're going to tie this all together then a little bit. Um, if you look at producer credits, he had a show called Revolution, which I really liked. Revolution. And Did you ever watch it? It was a TV show, TV series. No, that it was sound familiar. But basically, the, the the lights go out, like the okay. entire electrical infrastructure. I would call it post apocalyptic, but definitely kind of a dystopian, like alright the power's out now we're all back to the stone ages and um, it was a really cool show
1: I started this I remember watching a little bit of this the revolution yeah
0: yeah it was it was it was good it was a a good premise and then it was one of those shows you kind of got into because it was a serial you want to see what happened and then it just kind of abruptly ended yeah it got cancelled yeah it got cancelled after what uh, three seasons maybe yeah
1: like a fat, yeah. I think it was. But anyways, only two. he was
0: he was a he was co executive producer on that. So that ties into the topic, or, a real topic. So <laughs> anything else to add on John Favreau? I was just it, I forget how important he is and 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 how good of a, a storyteller he is. And you know I just forget that because it just seems like he's he's either acting or he's kind of doing you know he's doing things he just you know he's executive producing and doing other stuff. But sure, he's, he's I, still working. Our- and he's putting out good content.
1: I love swingers. And because of that, he can do really little to no wrong in my eyes. The same with iron man. And he was it, one of my all time guilty pleasure movies is the replacements. Steve, do you remember that one with the uh, Keanu Reeves where they play the replacement football players? Yeah. yeah, And he, yeah. And he plays the SWAT ex SWAT team, middle linebacker. it just kind of goes a little overboard. Like at one point he breaks someone's nose and he <laughs> right. just starts yelling and stuff. Yeah. And he's so good in that, but the only... My only, I guess, quibble with him is... Do you know why well, this... I started falling into a rabbit hole about this. Why they're referring to the new Lion King as live action and not animation. Is because mm. that that means the people that work on that can't be considered animators and can't unionize. Mm. And another reason that I found... Or, what the internet tells me that I don't necessarily know if it's true or not that the reason that we're seeing the 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 glut of live-action remakes of Disney animated properties is that they don't have to pay intellectual property rights if it's a live-action version of an animated film. So all of those original animators that worked on those don't get any royalties for these new ones. There's been a whole bunch of... of pieces that have been have been published recently talking about this whole live action and why they're calling it and i fell into a rabbit hole and i'm not really sure which ones to trust or not but it, it makes sense for that i remember the first time did you see the trailer for the live action lion king i'm like well there's no friggin' thing is talking to lions so it's not live action it's <laughs> it's it's animated like that's just the way it works but right that's one of the one of the other writers i follow on twitter said the same thing about aladdin and the reason that the the monkey from the original aladdin worked is because it was animated it was over the top and it was and then you see it in the trailer and it's just a talking monkey and it doesn't have the same personality i'm sure it's great in the movie and i'm sure the movie's probably really good too but i'm the 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 legality and the, the intellectual property concepts that i've been doing research into i find very very troubling
0: mm. so it's the only it's a, it's a loophole like people are exploring yeah. loopholes and yeah
1: but that's steve these people that made these iconic movies that aladdin was one of my top 10 movies as when i was a kid like animated movies i love that movie and for me to find out that the only reason they're doing this is to shaft the yeah the cool. original animators just makes it gives me a bad taste in my mouth and it just furthers the idea of Disney being Apple, like you know <laughs> the idea of yeah, yeah. Like this, Steve, the stormtroopers don't wear black armor; they wear white armor, like Apple does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, but I digress. So, so, so we, yeah, so but that that brings up a good point. This is, I think, a topic for our future episode. Is I uh, I love animation. I love like in the. the, uh, the I love the way that you're able to use that art form mm. and tell stories and do everything, and and that's a good point. I mean, there, I think we should do a whole episode on animation for sure, sure. Just in the evolution of it, right? And you know, you, and you take some of those classics and even look at the way Disney's evolved how they how they do their animation and um, you know as an art and th- to, to just be able to be like, all right, well, this was a you know, Aladdin was again, it was one of my, it's probably one of my top ten movies, um, and all of a sudden they'll be like, we're gonna remake it, we make it like. I'll we'll probably we'll maybe watch it, but I mean, are they, how are they going to make the story better? How are they going to make the, the the end work with the the voice acting, the the music, and all that together as a piece? Mm-hmm. You can I don't know. That you can make that better,
1: Steve. Think about the concept of the Lion King and the the part where. Spoiler alert. What's the dad? What is it Simba? Mustafa? Mustafa gets dropped by Scar into the <laughs> stampede. Steve like the reason it's not it's it's a horrifying scene in the original animated version. Yeah. But now think about how terrifying that's going to be to a 9, 10, 11-year-old kid that's watching this photorealistic Lion being dropped by its other photorealistic lion brother into a photorealistic stampede of wildebeest right. and being
0: trampled to death. Yes. Like it's no longer fantasy anymore. No, right. I think that's the thing with with what? animation is you can you can do and, and you know, Disney's brutal. I mean, if you look sure. at the yeah <laughs> broken homes and everything. I think we talked about this before. Like how many like don't how many how many whatever heroes main characters don't have a mom or don't have a dad. Right. Um, Actually most of the like a lot of the like, of Aladdin them. Yeah, that Aladdin, no mom. Oh, what was the other one? And then you have Lion King, right? F- off like Finding guys. Nemo? Yep, no mom. No no mom, <laughs> that the the son gets
1: gets handicapped by a serial killer and then kidnapped and then taken far away and, and he, there was someone wrote I I read a tweet that someone said he was texting back and forth with his dad and his dad was like, Yeah, hey, I just watched this horror movie and the guy was like, Oh, what was it about? And he describes he says, yeah, this, this son gets handicapped in this horrible attack by a serial killer and then is later kidnapped. And then the dad has to go try to find or travel and find him with the help of a disabled woman. And, and the guy goes, holy crap, what movie was that? And he just goes back and he was Finding Nemo. And the guy goes, mind blown. I was like, yeah, like, think about that concept in a real world situation. And you're like, man, that is a messed up story. But all those are. But when you start, you need take away the fantastical animation where it's clearly not real and clearly two dimensions and and like over animated. Now you're putting. Now you're representing with photorealism, and I I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work or if it's going to be extra terrifying.
0: Yeah, because now it's not. Yeah, it's not fantasy anymore. It's not fairy tale. It's not. Now it's more real, and like we don't. I have yeah, real stuff going on on, on, yeah. on real television. Real life's and, scary enough. Yeah, I don't need like, it. Give me the escapism. Let me go to a theater and be like, oh, that's, that's an awesome story. A guy on a flying carpet with some awesome music and, you know,
1: beautiful setting. The whole night. Well, we are flipping through Netflix and I forget what the new Netflix planet earth ripoff is. We just, it was, came up on like autoplay on my profile and I was like, Oh bro, look a nature show. And it was like, you see the, the tiger getting down and shaking its shoulders. And then there's a deer not paying attention by like the banks of a river and like, right as it lungs to it. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> and Aaron just looked at me. She goes, that was close. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not for kids.
0: <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) All right. Well, like I said, we were going to – we'll still talk about post-apocalyptic. Well, to
1: to get into the idea of the post-apocalyptic, Steve, did you watch Chernobyl? No,
0: but it seems like everybody's talking about it.
1: Holy – tap dancing crap dude like that that show was one of the best miniseries i've seen in a long time I what everybody's saying
0: what's the so what's the skinny without ruining or is it just based on it's based on historical normal
1: yeah it's based on historical fact they did they finally declassified all these documents and and they actually tried to do it as historically accurate as possible down to like the eyewitness testimonies and things like that but they did it really smart so it's All right, so one of the things that normally shows fall into is when you try to get all of these really, really good actors that might not be able to do accents very well, they don't make them try to all talk in Russian accents. So it's like, it's Jared Harris, who is Richard Harris's son, who is Moriarty from the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? The red-haired dude. I think Stellan, yeah. Stellan Starsgaard, which is the uh, the guy from Thor, the crazy astrophysicist that ends up he was in Avengers and all those you know what I'm talking about that builds the wormhole and oh, yeah, so right, yeah, yeah. they they get all these fantastic actors together and just instead of worrying about an accent or trying to do a russian accent they just let him act and they're all top-notch actors and i didn't like Steve this happened when i i was 7 so it was like 1986 1987 oh, wow, yeah. so i was like 7 or 8 i don't remember it but they they go really into depth on how close that came to be being a global issue. Like if the reactor oh, yeah. would have, if the reactor would have melted down into the actual water table below, it would have poisoned the the water table permanently for like all of the Ukraine, Belarus, and all of these areas. And then the the fallout, Steve. It's just one of those ones that every episode they they start with it melting that they start with the uh, initial explosion and then it's the guy researching what happened and then it goes backwards so they explain how they started mitigating all the circumstances and then the last episode is what actually happened and oh, so you're very cool. the whole time it's like it's almost like a investigative mystery about how all of this stuff happened, but holy cow! Is it? Ca- I can't hear the 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 crackling of like one of those radioactive meters. I forget what they the are Yeah, but they have a different. The Russians called it something else, but and it's the the idea of the the sacrifice of oneself for the greater good and mm-hmm. the whole oh, dude. I'm telling you, if you want, I, I didn't. Like, I knew about Chernobyl, and I knew about mm. Pri- Pripyat and the the area around it still being a dead zone, but I didn't understand the severity of it. Like, they, they had a forest fire in, I think it was the late 90s, that completely released all of the the, the radioactivity that was now inside the trees, so when the trees burnt down... They released all the radioactivity oh, and like wow. cancer rates spiked and birth defects spiked again and it's one of those cycles oh. over and over. yeah like we they they claim that we want to be on nuclear energy or a, a significant portion of nuclear energy in the near future ah I don't know man <laughs> right. after, after watching and it's not one of those I I live like Steve you've been to my house you can look out the back and you can see the nuclear mm-hmm. plant <laughs> you can see the nuclear plant <laughs> yeah. that's seven miles away and. Then when you see like it glows after the first initial explosion, it looks like a spotlight shooting up from the middle of it in the middle of the day, and you're like, "Holy crap!" And just the idea—it's—I highly, highly recommend it.
0: Nice. Okay, and nine point seven stars at two hundred thousand reviews on this is on IMDb. Yeah. And, and so that brings up I th- that's a great, I think that's a great way to kick this off because I was gonna before the whole John Favreau thing, um, and again that was just top of mind, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. So, but as I was kind of looking at um, post-apocalyptic movies and thinking about the whole thing, and, and Chernobyl, I think is a great, great example. And 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 this goes back, man, I want to say, so I can I can picture where I was when I read the blog. It was like one of the first blogs I ever read. It was it was. It was a woman's blog. I think it was on the blogger platform. So this is <laughs> this is 15, yeah. 17 years ago, something like that. I mean, it was a long time ago. And it was one of the first blogs I ever read. And it was this, this woman, this Russian young college student, and she fully documented. And I, I, I wonder if it's still out there. It could be awesome. But she fully documented going to Chernobyl, uh, on a motorcycle and going through and taking all these awesome pictures and writing about it. And it was like pages of content. Um, but it was like, she was in a, she was in a suit, you know what I mean? She was sure. in like a, a suit and it was like, and and you could go there, you had to get a special permit. You could go there, but if you left, there's something about the asphalt or the pavement that would, um, you know, keep, keep the, uh, the radiation from affecting you. But if you took a step off onto the ground, onto the earth, the guy Mm -hmm. recorder went through the roof and you were like, you had like, you were dead.
1: I'm sure. Well, Uh, they, they, they make the Jared Harris's character plays the, I think he's the head of the nuclear science division in Moscow or whatever, but he does a really good job of explaining what actually happened because Stellan Skargar's plays, I think he's the director of the interior for, for the Soviet union at that point in time, but he doesn't know crap about nuclear reactors. He comes from like a concrete and coal (laughs) background. So it's all him explaining to him and the audience about the way this reactor works and the, what, what had to have happened in order for this to happen. And then what these, There's a part where he's like, I saw graphite on the roof. And he was like, there's no physical way you could see graphite on the roof unless there was a massive explosion. And he was like, yeah, I saw graphite on the roof. That's not good. And (laughs) one of the first responders picks it up. And it's the equivalent of like 4,000 chest x-rays that he picks up for like three seconds and it burns through his... It's one of those ones, like, it looks so innocuous. It's the idea of the wind in the happening. Like, uh, M. Night Shyamalan tries to make the wind real ominous. Right. In, In this, it is because it's nuclear you know what i mean it's radiation it's fallout, and you, yeah yeah so like they he makes it a point to like when they get out of these places and they go to like the de they're the the decontamination cells when they're just like hosing off the trucks and they he focuses on like the dirty water like going into the drains and you're just like oh my god that's gonna kill four or five people when <laughs> it gets to somewhere else and right yeah dude i'm telling you it's it's the little things that he focuses on and the guy that created it the guy named i think his name's craig mazin comes from like a uh a sitcom background i'm trying to think of what he actually did before it but it, it would nothing that would illustrate a a Propensity to make one of the most captivating miniseries I've seen in a long time about a nuclear the hangover.
0: Part two, as a writer, yeah, like
1: <laughs> that's what I mean. So like he he's been on Twitter talking about you you want to talk about tough pitch meetings where you come from the Hangover and you, now you want to take scary a serious Scary movie four.
0: Take. Scary movie three
1: exactly that he comes but that's the idea like the the russo brothers coming from a sitcom background mm-hmm. and then making one of the one of the best of the the marvel series and then this guy coming from the hangover and these parody movies and then making this there's nothing in his previous work that would show he would be able to handle it as delicately and thoughtfully as he did but mm. holy crap steve it is so good so, so yeah
0: yeah. So going back to this, this blog, right. Cause I'm going to kind of stitch this together. Cause th- this is my, this is my, uh, the, the thing that I took away was not, the writing was important, but the photography, like, so w- seeing this blog, it had to be at least 10 years after the incident. Right. Cause you said it was like what? 86, 86. Yeah. So, and I would have seen this, this would have been okay. even later, this would have been late nineties, early 2000, right. That I saw this blog. Um, so maybe 15 years, 16 yep. years since, and these pictures, like, they were amazing. Like clothes still on a line. Oh yeah, like blo- like but tattered, but just there, nobody there to take them down. They hadn't blown down. They were just, like, it, like it was that it was it was that post-apocalyptic feel. like there mm. was nobody there. Life in that area stopped on that day and 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 nobody had been back since nobody really touched anything it was as it was almost like a time capsule as it was 16 years mm-hmm. prior but see and... they
1: they address they address why that is the way it is like they address why everyone just had like that that's one of the things that i mean i played uh call of duty a lot and there's one of the stages is pripyat is is this the city right outside of chernobyl and i was Mm -hmm. like you're watching it and you're like holy crap i know exactly where this is like they stay at this one hotel that you can actually use as like a home base in the game so it's so ingrained in pop culture Mm -hmm. but you never understood like the actual historical significance of it like i knew about the chernobyl disaster but i had no idea the full ramifications of it right
0: So, so there, for me, there was that, there was that allure, right? So when I watched those like looking at those photos and that was real, like, and that was just like, people were here and then people were gone. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was, it was creepy. It was like going into a house that like people just left and then, you know, you find it 20 years later and everything was exactly as it was. And so I think there, for for me, like post-apocalyptic movies and, and stuff like that, there's, there's an, there's an allure to that. Um, where all of a sudden life as you know it stops and now this new normal begins right call it dystopian mm-hmm. call it whatever where all of a sudden you're you know the the rules don't apply anymore and there, there's a thing about that that I, I think is really interesting and it even takes me back a little bit to my to my childhood when um like when we would kind of sneak out and stay out at night like when you're out when you're a kid out at three o'clock in the morning and you're running around the streets it's different like everything is different like it like there's nobody around. It's, it's quiet. It's almost eerie, um, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, there's a thing, but there's also like this, no normal rules don't apply too. It's like, Oh, right. <laughs> I don't need to stop for that stoplight. Cause there's no cars or I don't need to do this or I don't need to do that. It's like, it's just a different thing. And I think that for me, that was part of the allure with some of these post-apocalyptic <laughs> movies. Easy for me to say, yep. um, is that it creates this, okay. The, the rigors of everyday life are gone and now there's this new thing and it's all, it's all different. And there's, there's a freedom in that. There's a, there's, I think there's, a, it's exciting where it's like, all right, the rules don't apply anymore, but there's also a fear in that, right? Cause it's now I don't have to get up and go to work or if I'm a, you know, when I was watching this stuff as a kid, like, oh, I don't have to go to school anymore. The school's burnt down or whatever. It's like, now it's something different. So there's this, there's this thing. And then just seeing things that as you would normally see them in a different light, like, you know looking at um, Something like at the end of Planet of the Apes or something where you see, you know, you see the torch from the Statue of Liberty and, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Because it's something like you always associate it with one thing. Now you associate it with something else. Sure. So that, that was, again, that allure for me. And I think there there's there one movie uh, and I know we'll go we'll go through a couple of these. But there's one movie for me that stands out that it, it, it kind of does all that. And I watched it at a time where it was like I think it was probably the first one I watched like that. And I was like, whoa. Like all these people disappeared, but because these people were in a movie theater, they 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 survived and they walk around and it's like this weird thing, which is Night of the Comet, right? Night of the
1: Comet. Um, I actually just rewatched. It's on Amazon Prime. I just rewatched it probably a month or so ago after we talked because we were talking about childhood crushes on a previous. Mm-hmm. The previous podcast talking about Catherine Mary Stewart who I was infatuated with so I went back and one of the first things it was like you might be interested in of the Common I was like you know what Amazon Prime you're damn right I'm interested. <laughs> and they just the they just they're remaking it and I was kind of against the idea until I started following the writer uh, the writer and possibly the director on Twitter and what she's been posting about the original makes me feel that it's in good hands so fingers crossed. But yeah, that's that's one of the few ones where you're like, "Oh, cool, there's not a scarcity of resources. The grid didn't go down immediately. Like it's not the road where the sky is scorched and everything's, you know, everything's <laughs> right. a struggle where it's just everybody's gone and now it's just dealing with sure there's some people left, but mostly everybody's just a red powder on the ground, so you can do whatever you want. You can go to the mall and steal
0: whatever you want, but yeah, that was the cool thing. Like, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do, like, there's this freedom of, like, you can do, yeah. go wherever you want, do whatever you want. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know when the last time I saw night of the comet was. I just remember it being, like, kind of scary, but kind of cool. Like, yeah. all right. Um, which is then, you know, that's kind of like that. I told totally, you it's not on my list, but that, that show, The Leftovers, which we talked about before, yeah. the Justin Thoreau, uh, you know, that whole that whole that whole thing was really weird it was somewhere between like none of the comet and lost and whatever um but it was cool i mean I, you know is was that same type of thing was it one percent of the world's population it was almost like the fan of snap if you think yep. about it like it's like boop these people are gone we don't know where they went you know whatever but they're gone yeah um well that not was ne- not nearly to the scale uh you know like the the thing in that that show is with the leftovers is like life they life kind of continued on the momentum Life it didn't it had an impact on people and it certainly like shoved it in a direction or steered it in a direction but did not completely uproot everything where the infrastructure collapsed and now it's a different right yeah exactly different world it wasn't completely different
1: Yeah, it just, it shifted. It wasn't completely like the grid didn't collapse, like the the modern conveniences and the infrastructure didn't collapse. It was just a lot of people weren't there anymore. So it was more about them Mm -hmm. dealing with that and why, you know, why weren't they raptured and why weren't these people, why were these people raptured and why aren't we getting an explanation? And it's more about the personal rather than the survival aspect of most post-apocalyptic movies right where, there's some good ones that where it's about that there's a really good one on netflix called the survivalist where about it's a guy that's been kind of preparing for the end of the world and then the end of the world happens and he just kind of is prepared for it and then he like this happens he hasn't seen anybody in a while and he happens upon this girl and obviously girls mess everything up so <laughs> draw draw, but it's it's a lower budget and i it was i was impressed at what they were able to pull off so yeah yeah
0: so and it's interesting for me, and we've talked about this this movie, this other movie on my list here um, <laughs> a lot because you know I didn't really get the concept because I didn't read the book, um, but I am Legend, and the and the thing about that in some of these <laughs> movies is, and again, even with Planet of the Ape, like the, the the way that they make like the new york island manhattan whatever like the way it looks and the way he interacts and the way that he goes out and and all that there there's just some of the backdrop of that like i'm 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 more nerd out on that stuff sure um but the, I, I i still i think that there's there's aspects of that story in that movie that i think are really good um, really good again the uh the 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 scenery there and i know it kind of I think it veered away from the book a little bit. Yeah, slightly, <laughs> just, <laughs> right. just a, a little bit.
1: Kind of ruins the whole title. They, but man. no, one of the one of my favorite, like the first hour of that movie until the bad CGI vampires show up. Right. That first hour of how how quickly nature would reclaim this planet if we weren't around. There's a uh, I think it's a Discovery or a Science Channel short. I think it's a miniseries. I think it was like six, seven or eight episodes about, it was called life after people. And it was all about how our infrastructure would change. If they don't tell you why it's just the, the population is gone. And it was how quickly would foliage bounce back and how much would, you know power plants shut down and how long would mm-hmm. hydroelectric plants work and it, it doesn't delve into the semantics of what the human race would do it's that we're just not around anymore so it's right. the the problems with overpopulation of certain species and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that is always I, I've fascinating watched some of that yeah it yeah. is
0: crazy and don't, and don't they do some cgis like oh this is what this would look like and then they kind of be like oh but this is what it would look like yeah this is this is right way? Yeah. yeah
1: this is this is 1 year after people and it shows right. like some of the stuff and then it shows like this is 5 years after people and it looks nothing like what you think and like right. vines are strangling buildings to the point of where they're collapsing and then after that and then pretty much i think it goes into a, like almost 100 years into the future and you wouldn't be able like all of the structures would have collapsed or been covered over and you wouldn't even be able to tell that we even existed right so it seems to be the end of the episode so you're like oh yeah okay we're in an insignificant we're a giant little ant right. on a flying yeah. rock through space
0: yeah. So, and I think, and that's the point of, of "I Am Legend" is they capture that piece of it, like all the overgrown. Like, I was just really impressed with the way they handled that. Like, when yeah. he's was he hitting, he hitting, golf balls off like an aircraft carrier or something. Yep. You can kind of see, and there's like a lion running around, and yep. like they they kind of bring the whole thing. And it's like, all right, this is now, <laughs> this is back to this is back to nature, and there because there's there's one human left, and every you know, mother nature takes over.
1: Yeah. I agree. But that that, that first hour of that movie is fantastic. I just thought the CGI was really bad, and then the ending. Yeah. Don't go that far away from the book. The book's been (laughs) that popular. It's been made into a movie three times now, and probably a fourth coming soon. But, like, you can't change it that much.
0: Right. So. All right, so this is one I watched, uh, and you mentioned one was called The Road. I haven't watched that one, so it's not on my list. But I watched. It's it.
1: so depressing, Steve. If you ever read the book, it's by Corm- the book is by Cormac McCarthy, and like they literally don't have names. It's the man and the boy, like Viggo Morton's mm. who plays the guy named I think he's the dad or the man, and then I forget who plays the kid. It's the uh, Cody McPhee, I think is his name, the kid from he was Nightcrawler in the new X Men movies. But it's just, and it's everything's dirty, and it's like it's. I They don't really tell you what happened. All they know, all they show is like the sky is scorched, and it's like snowing ash, and everything's dirty and wet and cold, and they only have one pistol. It's not like an action movie. Ugh. It <laughs> is a. It is a depressing. It's a great movie, sure, but it is a depressing slog, just like the book is. Is it?
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily. Yeah, so it wasn't need on that. my list, but I. <laughs> Yeah, and I was gonna watch it, and I was like, I can't do too many of these, and but so I watched Book of Eli. Oh, I love that movie. That well, and it's the concept. Like when I finished that. I, like the, yeah, spoilers up to wazoo on this one because we sure. talked about it. Because um, I'm still kind of unpacking it. I was talking to Janine about it a little bit because um, she didn't see it. Um, but that whole like that was a whole different perspective on like the the post apocalyptic. World and the, the, the basically the premise is, um, and, and it's again, it's Denzel Washington and and what Gary Oldman and Gary I, Oldman, take <laughs> two other actors, oh, yeah, Mila M- 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 Kunis, and, and there's a couple others that, I mean, <laughs> Ch- Cheddar,
1: Cheddar hmm? Bob, Cheddar Bob from Eight Mile. Is oh, really st- he's the guy that starts to fight with uh Denzel when he comes in to get his iPad chart or his iPod charged. Remember the... You know I'm talking about? Cheddar Bob, the guy that shoots himself accidentally in 8 Mile? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I best. About... He's the guy that I think Denzel cuts his arm off. Right? When Denzel is oh, like, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. any trouble. And yeah, and you you then the other guy is... Touch Ray. me
0: again, you're not going to get it back?
1: Exactly. He's like, you lay your hand on me, you're not getting it back. And he just says, this is mine. And he puts it in his bag and walks away. I
0: love that movie. Yeah, and I was like, it was a fun... But the, but the concept, like the 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 idea of like what Denzel's is doing and he's just going west and and he's got a he's, he's got this book and 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 there was definitely a thing in the movie and, and maybe if you've seen it born once uh, you can maybe explain it to me but there was definitely this kind of separation like of people that could read and that and the power of books like it became this I won't say elitist, but there was there, like if you could read, that was something that was something different and special than, than than everybody else. So the fact that you know um, Eli Denzel Washington's character has this book, and not only is it a book, it's the, the last King James Bible that he's trying to get. You know, he's kind of being driven to take it out out west because it was kind of his, his mission, if you will. Uh, And then the fact that Gary Oldman is seeking out, like he's got people going out and finding books and bringing them back because he's looking for a Bible because of the power it wields. Yep. Right. And the the idea. And, And I don't think it goes into a whole lot of detail or I just missed the nuance here of, you know, Gary Oldman clearly said this is this book has the power to unite and unify and like do something with the masses, like it's teachings. It's everything. It's this powerful thing that we need to get, we need to get our hands on. And it doesn't say why, like whether he learned that from somebody else or he saw it firsthand. Right. Cause there's like a, it's hard to tell where, like how long these guys have been existing post apocalypse. Right. Sure. Was it, was it a it's, couple it, years or was it 30 years? I thought it was, they said something like 30 years.
1: Yeah. It's, there has to be an expanse of time in there because you know what I mean? Like people wouldn't know how to function to charge ipad or ipods and and things like that without having the least the use of technology where like the younger generation that probably the same people that don't know how to read knowledge is power steve that's always been and and religion has always been one of those things that the powerful have used to corral the uneducated i know that's a damning statement on religion and i didn't mean it to sound like that but (laughs) yeah yeah but the idea of placating the masses in order to function in this new society is is a pretty age-old concept and it's it seems like the the idea of society regressing to that feudalism where everybody just plays their part does their role and there's no real upward mobility you, the use of religion made a lot of sense in that context so
0: right well and if you're if you're rebuilding a civilization you you almost need you know, it was like they they need that cornerstone or something you know to help yeah. that, to help them along the way at least that was that was kind of what I took from what Gary Oldman was trying to do is and and even what they were doing in at the end right at, in, in Alcatraz when they when they print a new one um, which is hey if we're going to rebuild civilization we need to rebuild it with with knowledge we need with books we need we, we got to build it from the ground up we got to do this all again. And try to save as much of what we had before or what we could. They never go into a lot of detail why all the Bibles were destroyed, do they?
1: Uh, no, not really. When they
0: said when things started to go south that people just – they, they get, kind of gathered it up and did book burning or whatever. So there was obviously like at some point people had fault with it. And now sure. there's one left and it's kind of the the one thing that they're trying to save and help propel them forward. So acting was great uh i think just the way that movie moved and, and everything I, I i thought it was a great movie and i never i don't even know that i had heard of it before
1: oh really yeah I, I i don't think i saw it in the theater but it was one of those ones that as soon as it came out on dvd i rented it just because i love i love denzel i'll watch anything even the bad action movies that he's that he's in i end up watching but anything with denzel and yeah well, oh so that was a good different. one I really
0: really liked that. I'm glad I had an opportunity to watch that. Again, I'm I'm kind of glad I picked that over the road. I was kind of torn (laughs) between the two. Yeah. Sounds like I, I made a good choice.
1: Well, the road probably, I mean, in terms of quality of film, is probably around the same. It's just. (laughs) is as as dark as book of eli is it's a little bit lighter dude the road is a slog like at least in in book of eli there's some fight sequences and you get the look at mila kunis look all pretty and stuff but (laughs) you get the road everything's dirty and like like, i can't i can't express that enough steve everything is filthy in the road like everything it's raining ash through the entire movie so like everybody's covered with soot and there's yeah, there's cannibals in both of them, but the cannibals in Book of Eli are just more about the necessity of it versus mm-hmm. the in the road they, they it's necessity plus they want to be. They're they're like more psychopaths rather than people just doing what needs to do to survive. So yeah, I don't yeah, I I think you made the right call with going to Book of Eli. <laughs> right. There's so, another there's okay. one that I if you when you started talking about apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic, that's why I asked you about movies that, that deal with the actual end of the the Earth, like the mm-hmm. actual end of the planet. There's this Australian movie that I watched called "These Final Hours." So the the movie is based on the premise that Armageddon, the movie Armageddon is happening, but we don't have magic space miners to send to the the <laughs> right. asteroid to blow it up, and so it doesn't. So all the only thing we can do is wait. Like we know, it's coming. We know a planet killer is coming, and there's nothing we can do about it. So this movie takes place within, I think it's the last eight hours or twelve hours before this massive asteroid slash meteor meteorite hits hits the Pacific and and wipes out all life on the planet. Like there's nothing we can do about it. There's we can't shoot a nuke at it. We've tried all these other things. It's just not going to work. And so all it does is it takes place. In the last eight hours on the planet, and it's just about this guy trying to get back to his wife and kid. That's it. Oh, and like, and wow. it, it, it's, and he like, it, it, you imagine what would happen if you knew that the world was ending. There's parties. There's there's a crime mm-hmm. surge. There's all sorts. And it's just this guy trying to navigate back to his 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 girl. Like that's all he wants yeah, yeah. to do is just get back to her. And that's the whole premise, Steve. And it's done so well and. And it's so fascinating, even though you know how it's going to end. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, not yeah. giving yeah. anything away. It says so right in the tagline. Like, that's this is it. This is the end of life as we know it. And this wow. is the last. What's it called? Really, these Final Hours? Uh, these Final Hours. Yeah. It's It was on Netflix when I watched it, but... That's why when you started saying post-apocalyptic, then I was like, okay, well, how apocalyptic (laughs) does it have to be? Like what percentage of the planet has to be dead? And that's when I first thought (laughs) of, I know that's a morbid thing, but it is these final hours. is one of those ones. I was like, I, I always thought that, uh, seeking a friend for the end of the world would have been good, but it's not. That was was the Steve Carell, Natalie. (laughs) The Steve Carell one that I thought was going to be great. Wait, was it Natalie Portman or no? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Dollar? Bank. Or was it? No, no, I'm not a dollar. <laughs> I, I blocked that. That's one of those movies that got put in the vault. of stuff I'm never gonna access again. Oh, uh, it,
0: it was her body double, Kira Knightley.
1: Okay, yeah, it's the Padme body double. Yeah, but yeah, no, but like that's I the the premise of that movie. Oh, I was like, Connie oh, that's
0: Connie Britton's in it.
1: That's going to be really gonna good, and it. it's going to be funny, and it's going to be interesting, and it was just none of those. Where the, these final hours was sad and funny and and heartwarming all at the same time. So, yeah, if you get a chance, and they all have cool Australian accents.
0: Nice, which makes it. Wow, well, I mean, cool. I work for a company that was founded in Melbourne. Me me me. Um, me, me, me. So. <laughs> the next so I'm going to kind of lump these together but there's so when you talk about post-apocalyptic you always and, and it's been such a it's been on such an arc I think it's finally starting to like slow down the whole zombie movie thing or the whole zombie you know the thing that I, I would hate I think maybe The Walking Dead maybe propelled that into the I would say the into the norm right you can have sure. a primetime TV show that's about zombies and have it on the air for what seven years Ooh, wow. longer, longer than that, that.
1: right yeah Thought this was ninth season nine that they just did. But they're also the are responsible for zombie movies hitting or zombie culture, zombie media hitting critical mass. Is yeah, when you start exactly. getting everybody that watches like it used to be a niche market. It used to be the weirdos that like Night of the Living Dead or yeah. argued about whether Return of the Living Dead was actually in the same universe as Night of the Living Dead and blah 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 and that <laughs> those those were that's when it was I don't know. Is that hipster of me to say like, that's when it, I enjoyed it more. It was when it was, it, it was, wasn't yeah, it was,
0: it was. It was more niche. niche. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so season 10 is coming up.
1: Yeah. I gave up two seasons ago. I was like, I'm just, it, it just didn't go anywhere. And it was just boring. And I got bored. And.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I did too. I think, and you turned me on to, you turned me on the walking dead. It was right? good at the beginning, and it was it, it was funny. You turned me on that in Game of Thrones. <laughs> when I was in town to, for a tattoo appointment, and uh, both and then I got into both those shows. Walking Dead. I got into really like I went back to the beginning and watched that. Game of Thrones was hard because I, I picked up Game of Thrones at the Red Wedding. It was like all right, I'm going go back. <laughs> I'm like, Ned Stark. Who the hell's that? Has wasn't he been dead? <laughs> like, yeah. So, anyways. Um, but anyway,s we get into the, the, that genre, right? So there's the, the, kind of the there, there's a there's an outbreak. People start going after you know, they turn into zombies, whatever. So there's two, and they're really they're really different movies. And I but I like them both. Um, one I haven't seen in a while, but one I like. I will watch it. I'm not a big rewatcher, just because I don't know, a lot of time to watch movies. But Zombieland, right? <laughs> I just I love that movie, and I know it's not like. Yeah. It's, it's kind of serious. I mean, it's it's zombie, and, you know, it just, the way it was done, I just. It, it's smartly written. Uh, maybe that's written. a guilty pleasure? I don't
1: know. No, no, not at all. It's smartly written. The idea of the rules of a zombie apocalypse, the double tap or the always check the back seat, like that's stuff like nerds like us. I, that is the closest to a movie version of The Zombie Survival Guide by Mel Brooks. You know what I'm talking about? Like the Max or by oh, yeah. Max Brooks. Yeah, the. Yeah. The concept of you know all of these rules that all you need to do is follow these rules and you'll be fine in a zombie apocalypse and then jesse eisenberg's twitchy columbus character is the perfect audience audience surrogate and then you get woody harrelson as the <laughs> the the crazy badass tallahassee like all he wants is a tweaky just a single driving force for a character <laughs> makes it great and for and and the the that that opening to the movie set to for whom the bell tolls is still one of my favorite openings mm-hmm. for for a zombie movie but it doesn't take itself too seriously it addresses the idea of once you survive the initial wave you should be okay provided that you follow mm-hmm. these rules like that's what i've always i that's always been my argument when it comes to zombie movies it's okay the 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 human population is finite to a certain extent and there's no way that we can replicate fast enough for them to just be more and more zombies at all times so a systematic a systematic elimination of zombies like in the remake of dawn of the dead if they would have just sat on top of the the building and slowly just picked them off over you know the the approaching horde because they had Mm -hmm. plenty of ammo and things like that then there wouldn't be a problem you have supplies. You have a secured environment. That's why I never understood certain. I have my problems with a lot of zombie movies because they make dumb decisions based on what the script needs. Where Zombieland <laughs> doesn't. Right. He does it. He goes after. He tries to survive because of a girl. He, try, he finally finds something worth fighting for rather than just living a, an isolated existence. So they're making a second one, dude. With everyone, thought- everyone coming back. With Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson coming back, and James, uh, Ralston Thurber is the guy that directed it. Like, they're all coming back. it would be so, awesome. Bill Murray I'm can't there. come back unless he comes uh, back as a zombie. As an actual zombie. Yeah. That would why, be pretty why, funny. That was hilarious. Be? Like, that yeah. whole
0: thing. Bill like, yeah. Murray's awesome.
1: When he all tells so, the, story, he tells the story about going onto the golf course, he's like, I played 18 today. He's like, I saw Eddie Van Halen there. What did he How was he doing? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> But the the one scene in that movie when it's Jesse Eisenberg sitting with uh, Abigail Breslin and they're watching, I think they're watching Ghostbusters. And so he asks her, what is your sister like? She said, she goes, he she likes bad boys. And he goes, oh, and he just takes the bowl of popcorn and pushes it onto the floor like nonchalantly. <laughs> it cracks me up every time. And he's just like, oh, th- th- did I do that?
0: I'm a bad boy. Yeah. So. Great movie. So you you mentioned Max Brooks, right? So the son of Mel Brooks that, you know, he he does some really cool stuff. I love when he's on. Like, I don't really listen to the Nerdist podcast anymore, Um, Chris Hartwick. But when he seems to have Max Brooks on a lot. I think they're friends. Awesome. Awesome to listen to Max Brooks talk. Anyways, he wrote World War Z, the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I think I've only seen it once. But I, I put it on my list because there's a game out now that we're, we're potentially going to get and start playing. Um, I, I listened to, I'm not all the way through, but I've listened to a big chunk of the audiobook, which I think is a really, really good audio Cause it's all, it's at least the audio book is all, it's all about the, um, you know, the kind of telling it after the fact. And well, that's
1: Steve, and, you didn't, have you, you ever read the book? Well, I'm doing the audiobook. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, but that's, the book is set up that Brad Pitt's character in the movie, the movie has literally nothing, nothing to, to do, do <laughs> to do with right. the book whatsoever. So the idea is, if, for those of you who have read the book, it's Brad Pitt's character, the UN investigator, is going after they've gotten the, the zombie apocalypse under control, and he's trying to figure out where, where the breakdowns in communication happened, where it started, where our, our, our global defense systems failed. So it's told from these first-person point of views. He goes and he investigates each one of these, and they sit down, and they tell you about the Battle of Yonkers. And that's when New York started to fall, and this was our Mm. big stand against the zombie horde. And it's one of the best books that I've ever read in my entire life. And I'm a voracious reader, and I've read it probably six, seven times. And the audiobook is smartly done. They get top-notch like, I've no. listened to the audiobook probably twice, where they get top-notch actors to come in and play each individual
0: role. And Oh, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> the, a... the, the the cast on the audiobook is crazy. Yeah. And I should bring it up, like, like um, be very clear. Like, the the movie World was Z, like, I put it on there more about Max Brooks and his book. I don't think the Brad Pitt movie, I mean, other than the character name, it has very little... None to, Nothing do to do with, do with the, and I think and, and Max Brooks didn't even have really that much creative input into it. And I think if you listen to him talk, it's just like he sold the rights. Which basically, he sold the name. Yeah, and, and that's and
1: one of those movies the that was that that got caught in proverbial developmental hell. Like, it, it had been, the rights had been passed around, and they brought, like, I think it was, like, 10 or 11 writers in originally, and then brought somebody else in, and then there was a different person who was supposed to be directing, and then they ended up bringing the new director in, and they had to use the old script, and it was just one of those ones that, as you look into the production of it, the fact that they actually made the movie itself is pretty entertaining. Like, there's mm-hmm. some great visuals in it. Some of the CGI work's a little bit dodgy, but... The idea of an overwhelming horde of zombies is kind of terrifying, and they they do it really really well. But it just bears so little resemblance, if any resemblance whatsoever, whatsoever to the the book in question. And the book itself is that it should be a miniseries. It should be like a six part miniseries. That would be a great idea. Done on HBO with like a decent sized budget. Yeah. It can't be. You can't condense that into a two and a half two hour
0: movie. Right. You just can't. So it, I'm just gonna give you some of the names from the audiobook. Martin Scorsese, yep. Simon Pegg, Henry Rollins, <laughs> Mark Hamill, uh, look through here, Alan Alda, Rob no, Reiner
1: I, Nathan Fillion. I know that. Yeah, oh yeah.
0: Um, John Turturro. Um, oh Alfred Merlina. I mean, and those are all—they all play characters in the audio. I mean, so it just yeah. And then Max Brooks is the interviewer, right? So he's kind of like the—he's Jared. He's like the the narrator almost, right? Um, He's one interviewing all these people as he's kind of—it's kind of—it's almost like a history book on the zombie apocalypse. So, movie's good, the book audio book arguably better and they really Way t- tie in together other than the name. So it's
1: not, not even arguably like the book is one of the, so there was a J. Michael Straczynski wrote a draft of a script that was super faithful to the, to the book and it got circulated it got leaked after they, they changed writers and stuff like that and I got my hands on it Steve if they would do that it would be the, probably the first well I don't want to say the first because there's been other ones nominated but the first horror movie to be nominated for a best picture like it, it was so engaging but then again I'm a sucker for the book but when I was reading the script I had a hard time putting the script down and oh, there's wow. very few times that I've done that with a movie I haven't seen like I've read Pulp Fiction cover to cover just because I love the movie and I wanted to see how he described it and how, what was in the original script versus what was in the final picture and, and things like that. But the World War Z one written by J. Michael Straczynski that you can probably still find on or find on the internet somewhere is, is one of the more captivating reads. And then I, I don't understand why they went against it. They still ended up spending almost $300 million on that movie with reshoots and all <laughs> right. of that. So could have just done it but then they were supposed to make a second one with david fincher which i when i heard that i was like okay i thought was going to be done with it and it sounded like he wanted to make a movie that was closer to the book because they showed the apocalypse the zombie apocalypse in the first one so the second one could be the actual book like them actually figuring out where it actually started and all that but I heard that's going into turnaround, which is never a good sign. But David Fincher is a fantastic director, so I'd be very, very interested to see what he would do with
0: that. Definitely. So, so uh, I think we went. Through, oh, and I put this is a tricky one. I mean, I guess it is. I mean, I'll put, it's a different. It's a different take. But the, the Fury, Matrix. Fury, do you put Fury the Matrix? Road?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I Fury Road's on my that. list, but yeah, I but know. yes. But yes, the matrix is definitely on there. You can't you can't talk about post-apocalyptic movies without referring yeah, to that you movie. Can't. You can't. You just can't. And like I don't I don't give a crap what anybody says that's easily top 5 science fiction franchises of all time. Like even the second and third one, like the second one looks good in comparison to the third, but the second one's still quality action filmmaking, but mm-hmm. the first one is probably in the pantheon of top science fiction movies of all time. But yeah. my favorite, it it runs into the same problem. It runs into the same problem with the people that talk about the red pill versus blue pill mm-hmm. are the same people that that think that Fight Club is an ode to masculinity. You know what I mean? Like the, the idea of the <laughs> Matrix is written by two transgender women about the idea of red pill versus blue pill, about awakening versus staying in slumber and staying you know lying to yourself your entire life like that whole context is missed on these people that only see it as the red pill versus blue pill like go look up the 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 wachowski sisters now like go see what they went through go watch the the miniseries called sense eight that they did for netflix and and tell me that the matrix isn't rife with coming of age and you know what I mean like right, that whole right. concept is buried in it and so the people that don't analyze movies the way that it should be analyzed
0: use it as a, <laughs> it's, right. it's it's
1: it terribly
0: misunderstood
1: right by most people
0: yeah and I, I, and I I've I think the kids are probably ready to watch the matrix It's such sure. a good I like guess been a while like Vince lot, like we used to watch matrix all the time because that was when he was right around Charlie's age right so was it was 11 <laughs> years ago when, when was the matrix
1: no, dude, I was in college. It has to be like 99. Hmm. Yeah, well, Steve, because we, we sent all of our parents. Uh, it not, yeah,
0: it was 99. You're right.
1: We, we, sent, we sent all our parents our, They came up like mom and dad came up for Parents weekend and we had just seen it Like me and Keith and all of my roommates From school all got really baked and went and saw The Matrix so and so like it blew Our mind we're like this is the greatest science Fiction movie of all time so we told our parents About it and they all went and saw it like a Friday, <laughs> The Friday night of parents Weekend and so we have like a function The next day we have to go and we're like What you guys think and dad just looks at me and goes The hell are you talking about I was like uh did you not think it was like the greatest thing ever he was i don't know what sam hell happened in that movie (laughs) i was like okay never never mind then so but yes Uh, i have a very special place in my heart for the matrix
0: yeah i mean and i think it broke ground on a lot of things oh yeah it did the 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 story yeah there was so much cool stuff in that movie and to think that was 20 years ago
1: yeah yeah, I dude, I'm all for if the if the Wachowski sisters come back and they have something involved with the new stuff, I'm all about seeing more stuff in the Matrix. Are they Go doing more? hopefully? Yeah, that that's the rumor is that the, there's a possibility that they might be doing a series for Netflix or a series of movies. I don't know, but I'm in. And like, as long as they're involved, it has yeah. to be them. You know, it, it can't yeah. be somebody that. Like the movies a lot growing up, because then you're just going to get fan service. Yeah. It needs to be the organic, the extension of the same story that they were telling
0: at the beginning. Yeah, That's and you funny. and you know, and I I think between this movie, it's gonna sound weird when I say it out loud. This movie, John Wick and Point Break, <laughs> I think, Keanu Reeves, a legitimate action star. You think? I mean, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. The like, guy's
1: the guy's only been a, a working actor for the better part
0: of forty years well, now. I know, Steve. but I mean, but but action, not actor, action star. Like, like put him Steve, up sp- there.
1: Speed, Speed was in like nineteen ninety four. Point Break was like ninety five. Uh, oh God, Speed. You're right. Okay, <laughs> like you're right. You're. I just, talking. I just
0: don't. I don't know. I just don't put him in. Like, who,
1: who, who? So who would you possibly? What Schwarzenegger, Stallone? Yeah, shut up. So like that, I mean, after, <laughs> I mean, after, after the Matrix, I I firmly believe that Keanu Reeves could whoop any one of their asses just yeah. because oh, yeah. of the and training. John
0: Wick put it over the top. You're right. Sure. That's, good, that's a good point.
1: And who he worked with, and the, the stunt guys that he worked with, and the the the. the The work that he the only reason that John Wick exists is because of his stunt of because of Keanu Reeves' stunt doubles from The Matrix. And Keanu Reeves became so appreciative of the work that they did in that movie that he was the executive producer and star of the John Wick movies because it was written and directed by his stunt double from The Matrix. So (laughs) I love the I love the fact that there's this huge huge Keanu Reeves Renaissance and I love if you just get a chance, just go on Twitter, Steve, and just Google or just put in for your search, just put in Keanu Reeves. And it's all of these great stories of people meeting him. There's all of these pictures that it just says Keanu Reeves gets it. And every time he takes a picture with a girl, rather than being the gropey celebrity guy, watch, look at his hands. His hands always hover. He never actually puts his hands anywhere on them. He just puts like his arm around them and then like his hand is like Not three, to four, three to four three to four inches off. Just in case. Just because he's a good dude. They're they're doing rounds for Toy Story Four now. And he plays the Canadian He plays the evil Knievel of Canada, the little <laughs> toy. But so like every time they're just asking him about John Wick and stuff, and he diverts all of the questions back to the main cast. He diverts all, like, there's been, they one person went and actually looked at all of, like, the Q&As that he did and he's directed all of the questions to Christina Hendricks. So this is, like, her real, I mean, she's famous for Mad Men and stuff, but this is Toy Story 4. Like, this is a huge deal. Mm-hmm for for her and so you see him trying to guide the questions towards her rather than make it about himself. God, I love. I love that there's a Keanu Reeves renaissance. And people can say whatever they want about his true acting ability. I don't care. I really don't.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he's in good movies and he's like in- enjoyable to
1: watch. He seems like he's a good dude. Like Good dude. Dude, he's making Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> They're, they're, making a, they're, making a, they're making a finale I'm, of it, I'm,
0: Steve. I'm down with that. I'm, I'm
1: 100%. I donated to the Kickstarter campaign when it first happened, and I signed a <laughs> petition. I was like, yeah, bring them all back. Bring Alex Winter back. Bring Keanu back. Bring them all back. I don't care.
0: So, yeah, I can't get Carlin back.
1: No, but they do have his daughter.
0: Oh, yeah. They have Good his daughter,
1: call. and so like they're casting all of these young people to play Keanu Reeves and, and Alex Winter's children, and they cast... Carlin's daughter as Rufus's daughter oh nice so That's yeah, very like, cool. yeah they they said like the, the writer even said he was like we're not doing this to make money he was like you really think we're doing this to make money does anybody really we're doing this for all the people that have loved Bill and Ted for this long and then they show Keanu Reeves and he was like yeah he was like I love this franchise I love Alex I love working <laughs> with these dudes like Guy just had one of the biggest box office openings of for an action movie in the past six or eight months, and he's going back to make some kind of weird stoner comedy about time-traveling
0: headbaggers. <laughs> God, God bless that, man. So. Awesome. Hey, so we never talked about it, um, and we're running out of time. but yes, we are. Quick thumbs up, thumbs down, John Wick 3. Didn't see it. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? I haven't seen it. I, I haven't had that. a chance to go to the theater yet. I figured you. I would get a text or something to be like, "Oh my god," or whatever. So I, I haven't heard, seen it either.
1: Yeah. Now I, I try to stay away from spoilers, but in that context, do I really? All I know is they said they're going to make a four, so I'm assuming he survives. So <laughs> I don't know. They, Benny Benny texted me after he saw it, and he goes, "Yeah, it's definitely worth the price of admission." He was like, "There's some parts where you're just like, eh," but there's apparently a fight scene where they're throwing knives at each other, and they're not all landing blade first. Which I've never seen in a movie before, <laughs> like people getting hit in the head with like the butts <laughs> of a knife, like that's great, like that's what I want to hear, like. And I heard that that Mark the is the the chairman from Iron Chef is fantastic.
0: Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. All right, all right. Anything else on post apocalyptic movies? John Favreau, uh, um, yeah, animation. I was like, I got a, really touched on maybe like half of my Fiona list. Fiona Reeves, yeah. Like,
1: if you want to write a really had, good zombie. I really had no intention of day. talking
0: about John Favreau until like no. five minutes before we started. I was like, no. "I we need I need to give props to Favreau on those just because I was I'm, you, you need, I'm into the chef thing that he's doing.
1: You need to watch Chernobyl too. You do, do. yes. Like, good it's ball. it's really like one of the it's it's a masterpiece. Like it's one of those ones. Like as soon as the the first or like the episode's over, Steve, they do such a good job on cliffhangers. But it, it's not like a it's not fast-paced. You know what I mean? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a ticking... Well, I guess it is a ticking clock, because you're talking about the, <laughs> a, a, a pending nuclear disaster yeah. that, could, that could ruin the entire, the entire area. But it, it's so good. But I have like a whole, a whole bunch of other ones on my list that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. But whatever. Well, Some, you most can, of the ones...
0: You can, you, can, you can read them.
1: Okay. How about It Comes at Night? This is one of the best trailers to the one of the the biggest letdown of a movie in a long time. But they, that was good. De- Demolition Man does that count? Mm. <laughs> Run, running Man. Oh, that's kind that's kind of post apocalyptic. Yeah. Kind of. Twelve Monkeys: Escape from New York. Twenty eight days later. Snowpiercer. Have you ever seen that, Steve? Snowpiercer. No. Have you ever? Oh, Chris Evans, um, Tilda Swinton, about the. They, there was a climate change experiment that went horribly wrong and cr- created like a new nuclear winter. so the only people that survive are on this 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 train that does this it circumnavigates the globe to stay to stay moving because it otherwise it would just get crushed under all the snow so it's all about the global politics on this train oh Steve it's really really good wow. they're making a show about it now too so. snow piercer yeah no just snow piercer. It's it's from a really famous Korean director. Yeah. Children of Men, Waterworld, Waterworld, Oblivion, <laughs> Day After e- Tomorrow. Equal. They don't don't badmouth Day After Tomorrow. I love that movie. I'm not. I love
0: I'm it. not. I wasn't really badmouthing Waterworld. I thought it was a kind of a unique. I, I, it wasn't great, but it was. No. It was a unique. Like when you saw like the what was going on there and world we'll covered water. It was just a different take. I thought it was sure. kind of a unique spin, but.
1: Watch if, if you want a unique spin on something. Watch a movie called Equilibrium. Have you ever seen that with mm-hmm. uh, one of Christian Bale's? Not I want to say first movies because that was like Empire of the Stun and Newsies when he was like fourteen. But right. when he became an adult and started acting, he played. So they're they're like these special. I forget what they're called, but he does this thing called gun foo, where it like he knows the mathematical probabilities of how to shoot a gun at angles. It's. it's <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to do it justice. Like, just look it up on YouTube, and just look up opening scene of Equilibrium, Christian Bale, and watch it. It is badass. The movie itself is a little weird, and it kind of mixes the Matrix with like nineteen eighty four, and not to a successful extent, but it has some cool, cool action scenes in it. Nice, but dread, rain of fire. I will always use... I don't need an excuse to bring up Rain of Fire just because I want to see that movie remade with like a big budget. Hmm. Dragons. Dragons versus helicopters, man. (laughs) Give me me a dragon versus an Apache attack helicopter any day of the week. I'd be so glad. But that's all I got. I got a couple of random ones like Sunshine. That's a good one. the, the, The sun's dying. So they send... It's like Christian... I think it's Chris Evans, Michelle Yao... Kelly and Murphy uh, Who else There's a bunch of really good But they send right. they, You have to go And like They have to nuke The, the sun In order to like Jump start it
0: mm. It's really good Stay so, in a boil So 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 you brought up Chris Evans Did, So Have you been watching So I've been trying to do more On Twitter With the Matchwits account So I've been mm. tweeting And liking And some stuff But the the Last couple of weeks Chris Evans Has been posting Like early headshots I saw that. Oh, my God, how hilarious. Yeah. He's like, he was, I was what was it? I was like, oh, I was obviously going, I must have been auditioning for a role as a dickhead. As a dickhead. <laughs> like he's, got the, he's got the earring, and he looks like, yeah. oh, my God, it's hilarious. And then he came out with another one. He's like, yep, oh, yep, yeah, there's another one. <sighs> Completely self-deprecating, like showing his own head. Like, I don't know that he's only doing it other than just to be funny, like posting yeah. old headshots because they're, they're, I mean,
1: Well, did you You, see that someone is actually breaking down and like showing that the 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 actors that are playing the Avengers are slowly turning into their their actual Marvel counterparts? Where like Chris Evans is becoming real, like this real politically savvy, politically active spokesperson, and then Chris Hemsworth is kind of playing the big dumb likable dude that just (laughs) you know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah, just wants to have a good time, and but uh, Robert Downey Jr. just. I don't remember if it was his entire salary or like a large percentage of his salary from Endgame is going towards cleaning up the inner cities like going towards like these oh. massive this massive litter and you know what I mean like going in and like putting his money where his mouth is like dude he's turning into Tony Stark he's t- he's turning <laughs> right. into where he made his money doing things that are considered unsavory and then using all of that money for good use. He said something that he should, they should be able to clean up like every major city within like the better part of a decade or two. And if if he could, he would feel better about the way he left the planet and stuff. And it was just like, all right, go ahead guys. (laughs) We're slowly going to be starting. Like Chris Evans is captain America. Like that, that G whiz patriotism behind that, no behind that nobility. So,
0: yeah. All All right. We need to wrap this one up. So in summary, watch the chef. Um, the the chef show. So, Chef's the movie, the John Favreau movie. Watch that yeah. first, then watch the Chef show, uh, where they go through and they have and it, there's a couple episodes. Um, uh, it looks like there's eight. I've watched like one, one and a half, uh, but they have celebrities on and they cook and they make food and they talk about food from the movie. So it's really good. so Watch the movie first and watch the the Chef show. Um, uh, what else? Watch Chernobyl. Watch Chernobyl. Because I yeah. really
1: want to talk about that in like a later one. Because he's actually, the, every episode that came out, they released, HBO released a podcast with more behind the scenes, almost like a bibliography. So you could fact check oh, nice. it all to make sure that they weren't. Obviously, they took some dramatic license. They had to mix a few characters together just two to time and, and things like that. But yeah, watch that because I think we should have an episode on. Or, uh,
0: awesome. Yeah. On and that then too. we will certainly do an episode on animation like all styles of animation um maybe we can do that next time we'll see so with that uh we'll kind of wrap up uh episode 20 so we're 20 episodes into season six which is awesome Uh, you can follow us on twitter at MatchWits. um that's uh two t's and an s at the end there um no h match wits and matchwits.com is our website where i post all the episodes and and all that. And you can follow, you know, download the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. That can be uh, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Himalaya app, or on Spotify. And uh, until next time, that'll do it. That'll do it. did you do Thanks.